0: Welcome back to Foster Adopt Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Chris, and I'm an education coordinator here at Foster Adopt Minnesota. And I'm Sunny,
1: also an education coordinator here at Foster Adopt Minnesota. Today, as part of our communication series, we will be having a conversation with Brianna Gromley, a therapist at Sojourn Counseling Group.
0: Brianna will be talking about children coming from adoption are at a crossroads between being content with having a safe and loving environment and missing their biological parents. This podcast will give listeners a glimpse into what adoptees feel. Brianna will present ideas on how to best support your child in discovering who they are. Okay, so
1: welcome, Bri. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, you bet. We're really happy to have you. So, first question um, How did this idea of helping children find their identities come to you?
2: Yeah, so it's kind of a twofold answer. The first one is um, myself being adopted. You know, I've grown up kind of always like curious who I am and struggling to figure out like where I belong, Um, going from school to friends to even in college, just struggling to find who I was as a person. And so then it got me thinking like how many others out there are struggling with this? But then on top of that, I uh, started following a couple other trainers on Instagram, and I saw some someone have posted about receiving some mean comments um, after doing a, a training themselves. And I it just made me think. So like I was looking through these comments, and they were comments like, imagine being adopted into a family and being so ungrateful, or imagine uh, that these people love you, but yet you still complain about it. Or you have a much better life. Like, what do you have to complain about? It could be much worse. And just really hurtful comments like that. And I feel like it's just not talked about enough about what adopted people go through, let alone the struggles that we have internally. And then when we do bring them forth, we are met with mean mean comments like that or criticism or we're just really shut down and made to feel guilty. So I wanted to bring light to this. And I also wanted to form some sort of awareness and training around it to be able to give voice to others who maybe feel like their voices are gone or lost.
1: Mm-hmm. I completely understand what you're saying. and It resonates with me because I am also an adoptee and the guilt that you have over, oh, you should be grateful versus the loss that you feel is so difficult to reconcile. So I completely understand. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. Um, What what plans do you have to bring more awareness to this?
2: So to bring more awareness, uh, currently I have a training coming up and I will be doing um, bringing this to light to people who choose to adopt, to help them be able to best support the children that they are welcoming into their lives. And then I'm also interviewing adoptive children and adoptive parents that are really great about including birth families to gain um, some sort of like support and to give some ideas and resources to these other parents who may be struggling with that. And then, so I wanted to get kind of like two sides to the story. We have the adoptive parents who are really good about yeah, we follow the contract agreement, but that's like bare minimum. So, if parents are healthy, then we're also allowing like X, Y, and Z to happen too. Or if the if the kids that we've adopted, our children if they ask us questions about their birth family, we're not secretive about it because we've seen how how detrimental that can be to our children. And so, we're basically an open book, you know, on a kid-level friendly way. And depending on ages and stages, and then I also on the other side wanted to get the adoptees perspectives. I've interviewed a couple. Um, most of the interviewees are older adults now. And they were able to reflect and they're just in a different time in their life and able to reflect back on what it was like growing up being curious, but maybe not feeling like they could ask the questions. And then going on the journey themselves, at, at you know, in their mid 40s. And then I also have a couple of perspectives from some teenagers who are currently living with their adoptive families. And they talk about what it's like to be going through it right now. And so just different levels and different stages of life. And then, of course, I'm incorporating my own story in there as well with where I felt along my journey with figuring out like who I am and where I come from, you know, and each story is so different. Some know their birth families, some were adopted as babies and don't know their birth families. And so uh, that also brings a really neat perspective to it as well.
0: And Bree, do you work mostly with parents or people of all ages, youth?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So my passion lies with the foster adoptive community. I really um, cater to that in our community. Uh, and so right now, currently, it's like a healthy mix of both. I always joke around with parents when I have a kiddo, I don't just work with your kiddo. You're also my client. Because I am a very firm believer that the work that I do one hour a week is really quite insignificant compared to the work that they do at home. And so I try to teach as much hands on as I can with the parents by utilizing different techniques Uh, I use a lot of TBRI techniques, and I'm also currently going to be um, certified as a RPT, a registered play therapist. And so I I use experiential play in my room, but then I'm also very inclusive with the parents about, you know, the themes that are emerging. Is there stuff going on that you feel like this fits? Because parents know their children best, and I want to be able to foster that and help that bond and help them to grow together. And so Kind of, you know, it's it is a healthy mix but I would say that I don't just have one client. I have two clients at the most or at the least because you know, child and parent. But if there's a nuclear family, then three clients because I really believe <laughs> in doing parent sessions at least once every other week or once a month. So I try to incorporate that as much as I can.
0: How can parents help their adopted children I feel like they have a sense of belonging?
2: Also a great question. You know, I think just um, being open and honest with, okay, if you have these questions that they're not to be shameful for, uh, I honor as much of their story as possible. So I was 10 years old when I was adopted, and and, uh, I didn't really feel like I could always ask the questions of my parents until I got older, until I was 18, due to some court stuff, I think. But, you know, looking back and younger, I wish that it, even my extended family, you know, not to be like, this is free and she's adopted. You know, I had that come from a lot of other adoptees as well. They said, I was always introduced as the adopted child of the family. And I was like, Ooh, that must have been really hurtful. And she said it did, you know, even on family get togethers on like a PowerPoint, she distinctly, one of the interviewees remembered that it said her name and then it said adopted. And so it's like, when does that why does that define us? Why do we need that to still be, you know, in parentheses by So to drop that, you know, yes, I was adopted, but I'm your child now. And so I want, I want you to acknowledge that and to honor that and to not keep reminding me that I'm adopted. I think that would be a huge, a huge way to support that into for their identity to start to form.
0: Right. That is a huge way to support adopted children and how When you're working with parents and they do say, like, well, they should be grateful they're adopted. Like, I'm sure there are things you automatically want to say, but how do you gently tell them that losing family members, you're not grateful for losing your biological family?
2: Well, just what you said, right? It's hard because I think when people, when they hear, oh, you're adopted, you must be so happy to have a great family. But you know, like, yes, I am, I am happy, but I also am sad you're gaining a new family and you're also losing a family. And I don't think that's honored. You know, a lot of times these people have like these big adoption parties and these big, like, you know, the cake. It's like celebrated like this, this um, like a birthday party almost, which is fine. But also in the same note, we need to acknowledge that they're still losing something. They're still losing a major part of them and who they are. And they're going to carry that with them. Just because you're adopted doesn't mean that that line gets severed that will be with them forever and so a way that I like to share this with parents is I use play-doh and I have the adoptive parents grab a color and I have the kid grab a color and then I grab two separate colors for bio mom and bio dad and I'll take the bio mom and bio dad play-doh and I cut it in half and then I take each half of that and I mix it together and then I mix in half of the um, the child's color play-doh and I mix it all together not fully so it's all blended in but enough where it's like mixed and I show this to the adoptive parent and I often say your child is half of each of their biological parents you cannot pick out those pieces of their biological parents without it leaving some part of it left in that child like that is a part of who they are you cannot physically separate that and then they kind of like their eyes get wide usually They're like oh my i've never had it explained to me like that before and i say this is extremely important because then you have this play-doh that's already mixed and already created this is your child that you're taking into your home and sometimes i'll add in like glitter other stuff and be like and then this is the trauma that they've endured And then here comes in you, you know, they adapt to some of your personality and they get some of you. So they're kind of mixed with this and here and there, some peer pressure stuff. And then I show them this Play-Doh. It looks like a mess, but it's quite a beautiful mess because that's the child that they've chosen to love and care for. And so oftentimes parents are like, wow, that was really helpful to see it visually like that. So I like to to do a component like that. I feel I'm a very hands-on person. I learn better visually. So it's just kind of a nice way You know, I feel like sometimes you can talk till you're blue in the face with some of these parents, like it matters how you talk about the biological family. When you talk bad about bio parents, this child is going to internalize part of that because they are part of their parents. And if their parent is bad, then internally they're going to think, then I'm bad too. And until I do it with the Play-Doh, it just doesn't click the same. So it's a nice way to be able to get them to visually see it and hear it.
0: It really is a great way to communicate without actually talking for those that it's a hard subject to talk about. So having that Play-Doh and glitter can, can open things up, open up communication.
1: Yeah. I love that idea. I, I mean, just even in the <clears throat> podcast, we don't have that visual, but just you describing it is very eye opening. So thanks for that. Um, I just want to go back to, yeah, I, I just want to circle back to gotcha day. Um, what you're talking about, do you think that gotcha day is more for the adoptive family than it is for the adoptee?
2: Yeah. You know, it's so funny that we're doing the podcast on March 8th. My adoption day is March 7th. And so I always do a little thing for myself, like, you know, thanks for adopting me. Um, But then, you know, as the years have got on, I thought like, am I really, you know, yes, I'm thankful. Yes, I'm forever grateful for the change of course in my life, 100%. Because if I had not been adopted and I had aged out of the system, I just, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. There's no way I would, I would probably went back to my birth mom and followed in her steps and just led a very unhealthy life. And so, yes, I'm grateful for that, but it really does bring up a lot of mixed emotions. Like I still even i'm thir- i'm soon to be 33 years old and i still struggle with that you know i don't think that ever goes away and so yeah and then um recently my adoptive parents have started you know saying like hey happy adoption day we love you and that's that and you know they they acknowledge it and they say i love you but i do think that sometimes it can be more so for the adoptive parents instead of the child because you know people adopt for all sorts of reasons they adopt cuz they can't have kids they that because they want to open up their loving home to other their children. They see the hurt in the world. Sometimes you're led to it uh, because it's a family member. Sometimes you're led to it because you wanted to, or it just felt like a calling, or maybe you were adopted and you want to give back in some way. And so there's various ways. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, this child, whoever is being adopted still has all these other probably feelings that they're stuffing way deep down. And, you know, oftentimes adopted people have people pleasing behaviors because that's how they've survived and that's how they've adapted to their environment. And so um, I think that then they fall into that people pleasing again, you know, on gotcha day, like, okay, yeah, you're right, but I'm going to put on a smile on my face so that I make my family happy so that I I can feel like I belong here.
0: So it it sounds like this is another way that um, parents should be communicating with their children about like what's best for them with these celebrations and um, supporting them down the road because they're going to have answers about their biological parents. So do you have other tips for parents documenting their their history?
2: Absolutely. I think that's really important because Uh, you know, you have kids that are adopted sometimes as babies and there's maybe not that much information or you have kids that come into care and maybe they've been in several foster homes or maybe they're, you know, 10 years old or even 17 years old and being adopted. And so they might have a little bit more. So I always encourage a lot of my adoptive and foster parents even um, to really keep track of everything, you know, things that they like to do, Uh, doctor appointment stuff any medical history information that they have write a letter to the kid about their time in your home and um, take pictures and put those in an envelope and start to create like this binder I know counties will do life books uh, and so however some of those life books I feel like you know social workers have a lot already to do so sometimes that can get put on the back burner and then they don't always get done and so I just think it's so important to be able to gather this information for these children because they're going to get older and they're going to want to know who they are, where they came from, about their medical history for various reasons. And if if you aren't willing to share that information, they're gonna find it somewhere else, which then could lead them down an unhealthy path. And so either they get it from you or they get it from a place that's not very healthy and that can just be dangerous. And so we don't want that to happen. But, you know, myself, I didn't really get curious about like a lot of details about my birth family until I started having children. Once I had two very difficult pregnancies and I almost died from both. And so I every time I sat in the doctor's office and the doctors would ask, you know, what's your medical history? I don't know. I don't know what my medical history is. I have no idea. And I will never forget one doctor chastised me. They said, you need to do a better job of knowing your history. <gasps> and I was just stunned. <laughs> I was like, okay, I would if I could. And so it just felt very hurtful. So when that doctor chastised me, then I felt very, uh, I was just stunned. And I i wish that I could have my medical history, but unfortunately that's not a part of anything that I had. And so it was out of my control. And so that's what really inspired me to want to go get more information about who I was and where I came from, which led me down, you know, the DNA testing and all this stuff, because I just, I had asked, you know, several times for my court records and I felt like they were gatekept for me for a long time. And then I finally got them and it was a very tiny file. And I was like, this is 10 years of my life. And it's like this tiny little file. And that's all I got. And then I tried calling, you know, my old social worker in the county and the courthouse where I was adopted. And they said they destroyed my records because it had been so long. And I was like, so upset. I was like, you're not supposed to destroy adopted people's records. Like, what do you mean you don't have my records? And it was, you know, they were like, well, we can't release this to you. And I just felt stuck on so many ways. And so it was just, it led me down. Like, that's fine. I felt like it was being kept for me. So I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm a very stubborn person. So fine, I'll get it myself. And it just, it was not, had my parents been a little bit more supportive or maybe open to the the idea when I was asking questions, I don't think I would have been as like certain that I'm going to go do this for sure. Um now my younger siblings would feel that they've been a little bit more supported because we kind of paved that way for them and my parents saw how that hurt. And so I think now they've changed, you know, their thoughts and stuff on that. And now if I ask the question, they're way more open. But I think it's because now I'm an adult and I have I'm you know older over the age 18. But I think it's so important to gather as much stuff as you can because if you think about your own biological children, like I look at my son and daughter, I have, have a box for basically every year of their life so far because I just I keep all this stuff for them and I see my husband uh, he came from a very good home and I see him he's like oh yeah I can have you know the kids play with this I played with that when I was younger and and here's the girl that I used to play with when I was little and and they can play with it and it just it's a little sting like oh my gosh I don't have that stuff to give to my kids but my husband does and, um, he, one day he made the comment, he's like, yeah, I am pretty lucky to be able to have all this stuff. And parents who kept like everything, let me like, "Yeah, it's fun to look through. And I, I don't even have a baby picture of myself anymore. I don't, I used to have one and it got lost. And so it's, you know, and I hear all the time, like, oh, your daughter looks so much like you. Yeah, she does. But I wish I could compare photos, you know, like everybody else does. So like that stuff is important. We, even if you think it's not, keep it keep a journal write down what it was like you know and be honest in the journal when you first came in to live with us it was really tough we we went through a lot of therapists we tried to figure out what food you liked you really struggled adjusting to our house and the routine here and then you know just be honest and write it all out because even though it's hard stuff that's still a part of their story that's still important they're going to want to know that someday and maybe them reading back on the journal someday would be exciting for them because that's something that they have from a time where they were just and don't really remember much. And so something that I like to do too is kind of along the life book, but I, I like to try to get as much background information as possible when I work with these kiddos. And so if I know that they've been in several foster homes, then I always ask, you know, previous foster homes, if I can have a letter be written to this kid and then, or I'll reach out to the social work. Can you get some of this stuff? And I also try to get the social workers to write a letter too. And I try to get the guardian ad litem and even pictures. Like, do you guys have pictures of your time with them? Anything that I can add into this book. And then I make this book and I pass it on to the, the family and they can keep continuing it. Because oftentimes what happens is kids, even though they're, they're young and they know who I am, but sometimes they disassociate so much during therapy, healing from such intense trauma that they get older and they forget who their younger therapist, you know, was previously. And I know what it's like to have those blanks in your in your memory, those gaps in your memory line. And so um, I think it's important to be able to try to fill those in as much as you can.
0: And I, yeah, those open lines of communication are just so important, like you said. And if you don't help the youth um, find out information, they're gonna find it in that unhealthy way, as you said. So, so important. No, and who
2: knows what they're going to learn when they find this out, you know, they might hear from some birth family. Like, oh yeah. They stole you from us. They refuse to let you see us. Right. They catch you from us, you know? And so then the youth, then that puts in a huge shot. Well, like, and then to them, they probably start to believe that. Cause if this stuff was gay kept from them, like, Oh, well maybe that makes sense. Why wouldn't you let me see, you know, then it creates such a distrust from somebody who's healthy and trying to love them and trying to keep them safe, but their, their brain isn't able to understand that piece of it yet. And they just want the information. And so, um, yeah, it can lead you down so many different dangerous paths. So that's why I believe in, in being extremely honest.
1: No, I love that. And you know, what um, strikes me as I'm sitting here listening to you is that you are using your past experiences for the, for good. And you're using your powers for good, powers of the past, because you could be very bitter and very Uh angry about what happened to you, Um, but you're turning it around and you're trying to help other people. And and writing this book is Uh going to be so helpful for everyone. I do have a question about the book, though. So you're interviewing younger people and people who have had time to reflect. So what is the biggest difference that you've seen between the two groups?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest difference. So, yes, I'm writing a book. I'm calling it Lost Voices. And uh, because I feel like a lot of our voices as adoptees, we're expected to blend into our new family. We're expected to act a certain way. We're expected just to assimilate into this family and like basically forget who we were. And so I start off the book with my own adoption day. I remember very profoundly, you know, standing outside the pine tree, like half smiling because I'm supposed to be happy, but also I was excited, but you know, the people pleasing kicked in. And as I got older, I didn't realize I was doing that until I'm able to reflect back. And so like in the moment, for sure, I wasn't like, oh, I miss my family. In the moment, I was very excited to be adopted. But looking back um, and looking back at pictures, you can see those subconscious thoughts like emerging and how i just was presenting myself but you know i just i think it's just so important because it's just not something that's talked about much you know it's kind of like oh yeah you're adopted hush hush but you're adopted but you need to act this way or you know you need to do this and you're part of our family now stop asking questions and so um the biggest thing i see though from people who are still actively like in it versus people who have grown and matured and been able to look at it through a different lens, they always say the older ones, the ones, you know, 30 and older that I've interviewed, they have all said, I always ask, you know, what advice do you have to other adoptive parents or other adoptees? One for adoptive parents who are maybe struggling to feel like they can be open and honest with their kids and for the adoptees who are starting to go on this journey themselves. And they always say to buckle up because it's a tough ride. But also, like, there is a lot to be grateful for. Yes, you are not with your birth family anymore. There's a reason for that. And you were adopted by this family. But you get to find who you are and where you belong. And eventually, at one point, you're going to fill that piece, you know, like this missing piece, just kind of fill in. And they always say that they're just so grateful that they wouldn't change anything about the past. They, cause it's, it's made them who they are today. And I always think that's so interesting because I feel like we get asked that a lot as adoptees, like, if you could change anything, what would you change? And I, I think a lot of people are expecting us to say, you know, to not be adopted, to be with our birth family or to this, this, this. But if we, if we said that, then it takes away of who we are. Like just because, I might have wished for a healthier childhood doesn't mean that I I know I think honestly now I could look back and say like no I don't think I would change anything because it's led me to want to do the work that I'm doing it's led me to be able to do the work that I'm doing, I'm able to see it from a different perspective I'm able to help these families in a different way because I've lived the experience and if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd be as good of a worker as what I am or be able to understand it to the point that I do. And so it always comes full circle. I hear that all, I've heard that from all the um, the older adoptees that I've interviewed, that it all comes full circle. But because the younger adoptees are still in that circle, they they can't quite say that yet. They're like, yeah, well, it is what it is. We're still dictated by our parents. We can't really do much about it. But I've also only interviewed a couple of people that are younger than the age of 30 and uh, well, younger than the age of 18. And both of their families have been extremely good. I'm really excited to be able to get the other perspective, you know, from adoptees who maybe haven't felt like their families have been as open and honest with them. And so I'm doing those interviews coming up and I'm really excited to hear their their, uh, take on it as well and to get their opinion and views.
0: And I think that's great, Bree, that um, you have those real life experiences and you're drawing more because our our listeners and our adoptive and foster community will always say in evaluations how they appreciate someone presenting who's been through that, who's you know been on the other side of things they always want to hear so they can learn learn more and become better parents. So this is super important.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um well I have one question for you that might cause some conflict so you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but pizza or tacos.
2: <laughs> pizza or tacos? Uh yeah. tacos all the way. <laughs> Taco Solid. Tuesday every day.
0: <laughs> left us hanging for a little bit. Like, what are you gonna say? <laughs> so left, I know I was are thinking. The <laughs> right,
2: tacos so- are life.
0: <laughs> well thanks so much Brian. did you have any last words or anything you want to share about your upcoming trainings
2: yeah thanks for having me it's been a blast and I am just really excited to be able to share everything that I've learned in this training I felt like my first two trainings went really well but this by far is there's just a lot of passion in it and I'm really excited to bring other voices as well to it very excited to give my presentation on May 24th for me to talk more openly and more in depth about this topic.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast and tune in again soon.